the precious blood, the blood shed over 2,000 years ago, our risen Savior who gave himself a ransom for this world, for you and I, the blood, it still flows. I'm glad for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to get into the reading of the word of the Lord tonight. Truly tonight it is a privilege to share God's word with you. And I trust and pray tonight with God's help that we may be able to impart some form of an encouragement and that you may be blessed from the word of the Lord. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 50, beginning at verse number 15, down and reading, including verse number 21, we'd like to take our text thought tonight, Genesis chapter number 50, beginning at verse number 15 through 21. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did the evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of thy servants, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This thought tonight with our Bible study lesson, if we could put a title on it, would be simply the beauty of forgiveness. The beauty of forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Precious Savior, Lord, we love you tonight. We count it our privilege. We count it a great honor as we come before your throne once again. We offer to you the praise of thanksgiving for your blessings, your mercies, and all that you've done. I would ask God tonight that you'll look upon, Lord, every heart, those that are watching, listening tonight, that you would speak unto our every heart, and I'm asking of you, Lord, as well, healing for those that are sick in body, I pray, God, great strength and grace that you would grant to them, Lord, who are searching, them that are hungry, and them that are needy, those that are looking for answers. Lord, in these troubled times, we know, Lord, you are that answer. Lord, let your word speak to us and through us tonight. Surely all the praise, the glory, and honor, Lord, it is yours. In Jesus' precious name, we ask and pray. Amen. I believe tonight these passages of Scripture in which we have read are probably some of the most heart-touching Scripture that you can read. I know throughout the Bible that there are many places when I begin to read that my heart is drawn and I find myself uh, intrigued by God's Word. But when I read about this passage, these passages of Scripture, of, his, excuse me, <clears throat> of history, 
and what had taken place many, many years ago, I think about the love of my Savior. I think about the love of my God. We read about a young man. He was the youngest of his brethren uh, at the time. When he was born, he was his father's favorite because he was born in his father's old age. And Joseph had found a place in the heart of Jacob, whose name had been changed to Israel. He'd found a, a special place in Jacob's heart. And Jacob made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren had seen this coat of many colors, right away something began to stir in the hearts of every one of his brothers. And that's the terrible seed of jealousy. They begin to have a bitterness in their heart towards their younger brother. In fact, what made it even worse, when they were out working in the field, Joseph had had a dream. And he began to expound and share this dream with his brothers. He said in his dream that as they were in the field and they were binding sheaves, that all their sheaves would bow before him. And let me tell you, when he presented that dream to his brothers, their anger became even greater to the point that the Bible said they could not even speak peaceably unto their younger brother. And the hatred only grew over time, for it wasn't long that he had yet another dream. And in this dream, not only did the Bible say as he pronounced it to his brothers and then unto his father, he said that the stars that represented his brothers, that they would bow. But then he went on to say the sun and the moon. And his father Jacob even rebuked him. What a, what a terrible thing. But yet, he knew what God had given him. I want to say tonight that there are things God places in our hearts. Sometimes maybe that it would be better that we should keep them there in our hearts. But yet in the excitement and the joy, when God begins to deal with our hearts, we want to share and we want to, uh, uh, to give to others what God has given to us. But there's a time for everything. And we find here that yet even when Jacob, even when he had, uh, was displeased with his son, he thought on those things. He thought on them. In the process of time, we read how that Jacob was concerned for his sons who had went a distance away. They had taken his flocks for the pasture. The, uh, the land was not suitable nearby any longer, so they had to journey out further away to find suitable pasture. And when they did so, they had been gone for several days. And Jacob said to his younger son, Joseph, and he said, here am I. He said, I want you to go check on your brothers and see how your brothers are doing. See how they're faring out in the field, how everything's going. And I want you to bring word back to me. So Joseph takes off and he goes. He's excited, no doubt, to get out of the house and do a little adventure. And as he's on his way, he gets to the place to where his brothers were supposed to be. And as he's wandering, looking around, he sees no one. But yet there's a man that appears, and this man asks him what he's looking for and who he's looking for. And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. They're shepherds, and they have my father's flocks, and I'm trying to find them. And he says, well, they have went on to Dothan. And uh, so Joseph takes off, and he heads that way. 
And as he's journeying, he gets closer and closer. And then no doubt from the distance, he can see the herds. And it's not long. He can probably spot out and see the person of his brother. And of course, they saw him. Because as Joseph was coming, no doubt that coat of many colors stood out to them. And one by one, they said, here cometh that dreamer. And they began to reason with themselves and a bitterness and an anger and a hatred that had built up within them. And they said, let's do away with him. Let's kill this young brat. Let's get rid of him. And, and we'll see what happens then to those dreams. Isn't a sad thing. It's a sad thing sometimes when even those that are close to us would have such a response. It seems like when God begins to deal with someone's life, it's not long that the enemy begins to stir up someone to discourage them, someone who would try to uh, tear down what God is trying to build up. But God help us tonight. God help us tonight to realize that it's not about tearing down that brings unity, but it is about building up one another that brings unity unto the body. It's about lifting up the name of the Lord together that brings unity and pleases God. But as Joseph got closer and closer, his brothers had conspired. They wanted to kill him, but the elder brother Reuben says, Oh, no, don't do this because he's, he's our brother. He, he, he's, he's, he's our flesh. And he said, Let's just throw him in this pit. And no doubt that it was in the mind of Reuben that later he would come back and let his brother out and that he could get back home to his father. But as we know, as we read into the word of the Lord, that while Reuben was gone and Joseph was in that pit, that a band of Ishmaelites come through and they were on their way to Egypt. And I believe the brothers got together and says, hey, we can make some money off of this. Why not just sell our brother? Let's just sell him on and get rid of him that way. So they decided that they would sell him. And that they did. They sold him to the band of Ishmaelites, and they took Joseph on in to Egypt. And it was there in Egypt that Joseph was bought by a man whose name was Potiphar. And he bought this young Jewish slave and made him head of his household. The God of heaven had blessed him, and no doubt Joseph's countenance, his disposition, right away was recognized by Potiphar. And he began to see how God's blessings were on the young man. There's something about when we begin to live for God and we live for God with the depths of our heart. We begin to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Friend, let me tell you something. God's blessings will be on your life. You will find a God that will smile down upon you. Jesus said it well in Matthew chapter 6 when he said in verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And the blessings of God were upon the young man and he prospered, and Potiphar left everything to his care because whatever Joseph done was blessed of God. But it wasn't long, and that's just once again how the enemy begins to work. That was the very wife of his master, Potiphar, 
that began to cast her eyes upon this young man. She began to get her eye on him, and her thoughts were not good thoughts. And it wasn't long she began to press him and say, Hey, come lie with me. And finally he said, How can I do this evil? Your husband, my master, has set me over all of his house, and I'm taking care of everything. There's only one thing he's held back from me, and that is you, his wife. And he said, how can I sin against my God? How can I do such an evil? And she would not give up. And I want to say the devil, like a roaring lion, is persistent. He's seeking whom he may devour. But I found out one thing, friend. When you put your trust in God, you put your confidence in God, the Bible says that he will raise a standard and he will enable you to escape your adversary. One day he comes into the house and he sees that all the men's servants were gone. There was no one around. No doubt that was a flag in his mind. But yet he had a job to do, and so he went about doing his business when all of a sudden there appeared the wife of Potiphar. She grabbed hold of him and said, Come, lie with me. And he fled and left his coat, his jacket, if you will, in her hands, and he fled on out. When she saw that she was not going to get her wishes she thought, I'll take care of this young man. And so she yelled and made up a scheme and a lie and said that he had tried to force himself upon her. And that's what the adversary will try to do. The Bible said he's come to seek and to destroy, to kill, to destroy. He is a liar and the father of lies. He's always been and always will be. He is seeking to devour whom he may. Joseph was then taken by Potiphar and thrown into the prison. But it was there even in the midst of the prison house that he found favor because God was with him. We're going to go through things in life that will try our faith. We'll find ourselves, it seems like, the closer you try to get to God, you will find out this, friend, if you haven't already, you're going to have some tests. You will have some trials. And Joseph was thrown in prison for something he did not do. But yet God, the God of heaven, was smiling down on him and took care of him and allowed him to find favor in the eyes of that jailer. And that jailer made him, if you will, the chief man. He just said, you know what? God's with this young guy, and I feel like I can trust him. You know, when you allow God to work in your life, People will have a trust in you. They'll see you're honest. They'll see you've got integrity. They'll see that you've got something about you. You're not like everybody else. It doesn't mean that we're better than everybody else. No. What it's simply meaning is people know that you're real. Church, tonight, I want the world to know. I want people to know we are real. We've got something real that has changed us. We've got something that's made us different than what we once were. God has changed our hearts. He has changed our lives. And so Joseph finds himself in the prison house, and he continues on. You know, I think of the words of the apostle Paul, and, of course, many, many years later after this time, but Paul would say these words, godliness with contentment is great gain. Joseph had godliness, and he had learned to be content even while he was in prison. And while he was there, it wasn't long that two officers of Pharaoh were sent into the prison, and Joseph was placed in charge of them. 
One was the chief butler, and the other was the chief baker. And it wasn't long that they had had a dream, and they were troubled by their dream. And when Joseph saw them, their countenance, he'd asked them, what was the matter? And they said they had had a dream. And Joseph said, well, the Lord, he interprets. And he, he just asked them, tell me your dream. And so each told their dream. And Joseph would give the interpretation to each their dream. In three days, the dream of the chief butler would be that he would be restored to his position. But the chief baker in three days, his head would be lifted off of him and his life would be taken. And sure enough, as Joseph had told him, it came to pass. And Joseph had told that chief butler, hey, he says, I shouldn't be in here. I've done no wrong. He said, remember me when you get back to your position and speak for me. It's a sad thing because that chief butler apparently had decided, I'm not going to say anything. Maybe his thinking was, you know, I don't want to remind Pharaoh of what I've done. So to keep peace, I'm just kind of forget all about prison altogether. I'm going to have to forget all about that young man. And so for a period of about two more years, we find that Joseph was in prison. He carried on. You know, there's hardships when we decide to live for God. It's not always going to be a smooth road, but my friend, let me tell you, you'll have a peace that no one else may have. Everyone else you may look at and see like everything's going well for them. They have no need. Their bills are taken care of. They seem to have no problems. They seem to be smiling and happy. And you feel like sometimes here I am living for God and I'm going through these things. It seems like I struggle from day to day. Friend, let me tell you something. We may have some struggles from day to day. We may have some things that will set us back, and we may get discouraged. But in the midst of your discouragement, if you'll continue to lift your eyes towards heaven and continue to cry to God, if you'll continue to give thanks unto him for what he has done and believe him by faith, what then he will do, God will bring it to pass. Joseph remained faithful, and it wasn't long. Pharaoh, of course, had a dream, and no one could interpret. And so it was then, it was then that the chief butler says, you know, I remember today my fault, my sin. And, you know, there was a young man there in the prison, and we both had dreams, and sure enough, as he interpreted the dream, it came to pass, just as he said, and immediately Pharaoh sent for Joseph and brought him before him. And Joseph told him the interpretation of both dreams that he had, that they were both the same. And it was a confirmation that surely God would shortly bring it to pass that there would be seven years of plenty and there would be seven years of famine. The famine that would come after the seven years of plenty would be so severe that there would be no food anywhere. And Joseph suggested to Pharaoh that he would find a wise man, one that he could trust and one he could put in position to store grain and have store cities of houses to store all the grain. And Pharaoh, looking around all his court and all those who were around him, he looks and says, 
Can there be any wiser than this man here? And he takes off his very ring and puts it on the finger of Joseph. He puts on a new apparel on the young man, and he says, no one will be greater than you, no one but myself, and that is on my throne, and all will answer to you. And so it brings us to our reading when we get into the word we've read tonight that famine had hit the land so severely. People were hungry, and there was no food. But yet there was food in Egypt. You see, God will preserve life. God will always provide. God will always make a way. He will never let us go hungry. He will always satisfy the hungry heart. He will always satisfy the hungry and the thirsty soul. God will never leave you without my friend. But you must do something. We must do something. We must call on his name. And so it was that Jacob told his sons, he says, why are you sitting around looking around? Hey, we don't have any food. I hear there's food in Egypt. Go buy us some corn. And so his brothers go as Jacob had sent them. And they get to Egypt and there they get before this man, this governor of Egypt. They did not recognize their brother. A lot of time had taken, uh, went past and he had grown. He was probably no longer that little scrawny youth that they looked down upon. He had become a man and strong, and no doubt he had the attire of an Egyptian. They did not recognize their brother, but he recognized them. And they bowed before him. And the Bible says he remembered the dream. He remembered the dream, the desire of our adversaries to steal the dreams God has given to you, my friend, but never allow that flame to go out. Never lose the dream that God has given to you. And as they bowed before him and they stood and they declared who they were and they were sons of one man and, and they begin to tell their tale, Joseph would be testing them, and that he did. He tested them and was kind of rough with them. He sent them away, but in a lot of things, and to save time, I encourage you to read. But he tried them to see what kind of men they had become. You know, God will try everyone to see what we're made out of. God will try everyone to see what's in our hearts. He will allow circumstance to bring out what's in our hearts. He will allow situations to bring out what is in our hearts. Joseph was coarse. He sent them away and he put their money back in the sack with the food. They get back and they find the money and right away they begin to realize our evil deeds God is paying us back for. You know, there's a divine law of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping. And I have found that it's better to do good because eventually you'll reap good. But if you're in the habit of doing things out of selfishness, out of meanness, out of plain old honoriness, my friend, it's going to come back to you. It will come back to you. So there's a gold rule. And we've realized this, it's better to do good and receive good than to do evil and receive evil. 
As we press on tonight in the word of the Lord, their food ran out. But Joseph had said something to his brothers. He said, don't even bother coming back unless you bring that younger brother with you that you told me about. Simeon had been kept, and he was put in prison. All of them, in fact, he had placed in prison for three days, but he said he feared God and sent them back, but he had tested them. It was Simeon, no doubt, that was probably the instigator that actually wanted to slay Joseph. We're not 100% certain, but more than likely, he was probably the ringleader. He was kept in prison while his brothers were gone. And when they come back, they come back with their younger brother. And as they present themselves, Joseph sees. He, he cannot contain himself when he sees his younger brother. He goes and weeps, washes his face, and comes back. And as we read in the Scripture, as they come and dine with him finally, Everything is good. Everything is peaceable. He sends them away, but then he tests them once again. Take my cup, my silver cup, he says to his servant, and put it in that youngest one's sack, along with all their money, and let them go. And, of course, they rose early the next day, probably all happy and joyous because, wow, this rough guy, this this governor of the land who was so mean, he treated us in his own home and fed us, and they were all happy and joyful. But they no sooner and hardly got away from Egypt, and Joseph had told his servant, go after him. And I want you to tell him thus and thus. And so the servant, when he met up with them, he said, who, who has taken my master's cup? And so... One by one, they said, hey, wasn't wasn't us. No, 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 no. And they started with the eldest, Reuben, and down to the youngest, to Benjamin, where they found the cup and the money. And right away, their souls were grieved. They returned back. And there we find that they begin to plead. And Judah steps forward. He had made a pledge to his father, and he said, Father, he said, let him go with me. He said, I will be a surety. I will take care of the lad. I'll make sure he comes back. And Joseph would be testing the, his brothers this final test to see what kind of men they had become. And as we read that Joseph, as he began to listen to the, uh, his brother Judah plead, he said, of a surety, please bear with me, hear me, hear me out. You know, we told you about our father, he's up in years, and about the young son, and we brought our brother, and, and his gray hairs, his gray head will go down to the grave in mourning if we bring not our brother back. Joseph could not contain himself any longer, and the Bible said he began to weep and to cry. He sent all of his servants out, and he revealed himself unto his brothers as he wept. And right away, they could not respond. No doubt fear had gripped them to the ultimate at that point because they realized the governor, this rough, coarse, crude man who they feared, now realized was their brother who they had betrayed who they had dealt so roughly and unkindly and cruelly with. 
This one with power, second only to Pharaoh himself, stood before them, knowing now was their brother, and what they had done to him, no doubt they felt like now judgment had come their way. Friend, let me tell you something tonight. If all of us would receive what we justly deserve. My friend, we deserve not the mercies of God. We deserve not the forgiveness of God. But I want to tell you tonight, Joseph, he was the example of Christ. He showed what love was. He showed what mercy was. And he showed forgiveness. And he forgave his brothers. Our reading tonight from verse 17 of chapter 50 of Genesis said, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did evil unto thee. And now we pray thee, and then his brothers had said, Forgive the trespass of thy servants, the God of thy father, and Joseph wept when they spake unto him. So once again, after Israel had come back, after they had been there in 17 years, Jacob or Israel had lived in Egypt before he perished, for his time had come. Now that their father was gone, they felt like that their mercy was gone. I want to tell you something tonight. God's mercy endureth forever. The psalmist had said, His mercy endureth forever. In the Gospel of Luke, we read in chapter Luke 15, chapter 15, verses 21 through 24, Jesus tells a parable, and I won't read all the passages with you tonight, but he tells a parable about a son, in fact, two sons. We call it the prodigal son. We read about how that the youngest son said, Father, give me all that I have. I want everything that's coming my way. I'm tired of home. I'm tired of rules. I'm tired of restrictions. I'm ready to go out and do my own thing. And though it grieved the heart of this father, no doubt, as Jesus would unfold this parable, the father gets and gives to his youngest son what would be his inheritance. And he goes away. And the Bible says that the young man spent all that his father had given to him in riotous living. He partied it up. He lived it big. He had all the friends. He had wine, women, and song. But when his money ran out, my friend, one by one, those friends left him, and he found himself all alone. That's what this world will do to you. It will sing with you. It will have a big time with you as long as you can foot the bill. As long as you've got something to offer to them, as long as they can get from you, the world will be your best buddy. But friend, when that runs out, like the prodigal, they'll run out. But oh, there's a heavenly father. There was a father back at home no doubt that was praying every day for that son oh God spare my son aren't you glad tonight that there was somebody that prayed for you there was somebody that remembered you when you were in sin oh I'm glad to tell you tonight I had a prayer grandmother that was praying for me someone that never gave up it seemed like maybe to her at times that we would not go the right way but let me tell you prayer makes a difference you see 
that father standing looking in, in the far seas a little speck. And here comes, no doubt his heart leaped when he thought, could that be my son? And as he got closer, he was able to recognize, and he runs to him, and he hugs him and greets him. You know, sin brings such condemnation. Sin brings such guilt. The enemy would make people feel that God will never forgive them, that they can't be forgiven. They've done too much wrong. That's a lie. That's a lie. God's mercy endures. The father welcomed his son and threw a big party. He said, my son that was dead is now alive. The father forgave. You see, we're talking about the beauty of forgiveness. We read also in the Gospel of Luke 23, verse 34. We read this passage of Scripture, and it grips my heart. Then Jesus, he had said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. You see, Jesus done nothing but good for people. He healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blind eyes, set people free that were bound with demonic spirits, cast them out. He done nothing but good. He fed the hungry with fishes and loaves. He done many great things, but yet when it came down to it, they cried, crucify him. But on that cross, as he hung and life was leaving his body, his words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, we're talking about the beauty of forgiveness. The beauty of forgiveness. We cannot fathom or understand his mercy, but it is so great. The psalmist said in Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid? I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. David, a man after God's own heart, served God, pleased God, was a worshiper of God. But David sinned. David committed adultery. And then David had that husband put on the front lines, and basically David committed murder through the hand of his enemies he used to commit murder. David was confronted by the prophet Nathan, and Nathan told him a little story that angered David. And when David made a response, the man is worthy of death. Nathan said, Thou art the man. You see, our sin deserves the judgment of death, the wrath of God. But we serve a God that is merciful and long-suffering. David said, I have sinned. And God forgave him of the sin. In Old Testament times, David committed two great sins. He broke two of the Ten Commandments. Breaking one was worthy to be stoned to death. But God, going, God in his mercy, can you understand tonight what I'm saying? God in his mercy went beyond his own law and withheld judgment 
upon the man. You know why? You see, because God does something we can't fathom. God sees the end from the beginning. He saw that, he saw that David would repent, and he saw that David would turn around. May I say, God looks upon your hearts tonight. He sees and knows the heart and where your heart is and what your needs are. He is not pleased with our sin and our sinful ways. No, it displeases God. But his mercy is waiting for you to come to him. It's waiting for you and I to come to him. And there we read in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, the apostle Paul said it like this, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When he was on that old rugged cross hanging there, it was for you. It was for me. It was for all who was and would ever be. His blood he shed for you and I. As we sung the song earlier, before we started in the teaching of the word, it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. In the book of Acts, chapter number 2, I'm coming near to a close tonight. In Acts, chapter number 2, verse 37, we read the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost had come, and there were disciples of the Lord, approximately 120, that went in an upper room as Jesus had commanded them to do. There they were to tarry and to wait for the promise of the Father he said, the Father would send in my name, John 14, 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things, bring you all things to remembrance. And he said in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem. They'd been in the upper room seeking and praying, and it was then that the Holy Ghost had fell upon them, and the Bible says in Acts 2, verse 1, the Bible says that cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God had given them the utterance. They were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the rest of the Jews that were there for the Feast of Pentecost, they came from all over the world. They had come and they heard these men speaking in tongues some said they're drunk on new wine but others said no we hear them declaring the marvelous the glorious things of god they're giving praise to god and we hear them in our language and they're galileans how are they doing this the apostle peter stands up and declares this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel he preaches to them christ and christ was crucified and how they crucified their savior and when the apostle Peter was done with the message, conviction gripped their hearts so greatly, they realized they had crucified their Messiah. They realized they had crucified the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But see, just like Joseph had told his brothers, you know, 
You know, you thought you'd done this in evil, but it was for the good. God was preserving life. My friend, Joseph was a parallel. Jesus, though the enemy thought, I'm going to get rid of him once and for all. But God says, oh, I've got a plan. And he was crucified. And he rose again the third day. And friend, he's up in heaven, and he's still filled people with the Holy Ghost. They were convicted. They were pricked in their heart. Men and brethren, they said in verse number 27. Let's read it tonight. Acts chapter 2, verse number 37 tonight. Let's read what the scripture said. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We know we're wrong. What can we do to make it right? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Bible says that very day 3,000 souls were added unto the church. The apostles baptized 3,000 people in the precious name of Jesus Christ. The apostle Peter fulfilled what Jesus had said in, in Matthew uh, chapter 28. He fulfilled what Luke had said in Luke's gospel chapter 24. He baptized them in the name above every name the name of Jesus, the one who showed mercy and forgiveness to us. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In closing tonight, the beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of forgiveness. The Lord has given an invitation, and the invitation goes out, and the ring is loud and clear. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.